friends, welcome to Hatikva News. I hope you're having a good day and Shabbat Shalom. I want to do the Shabbat candles, but I also want to give the news first. So I think we'll do the news first and then I'm going to bring in Shabbat a little bit later. Shabbat already started in Israel and let's talk about everything. So yesterday I reported how Hamas refused a ceasefire deal in exchange for the remaining hostages. Well, today, the United Nations, the UN Security Council, approved a resolution calling for a temporary truce in Gaza in order to give Gazans more aid, and they finally said that the hostages need to be released. So... The vote was 13 in favor and zero against, but both the United States and Russia abstained. Now, I want to show you, before we talk any more about the United Nations, I want to show you a video. So I have talked for a few days now about this video. So I wanted to give it to you. I wanted you to see how aid distribution is working in Gaza right now because Hamas is stealing all of the aid. I know I say that every time I come on here and I finally decided, well, I'm going to show you the video that I keep talking about. This is just one video in many. I have a lot of news for you, so I'm not going to show you any more right now, but maybe I'll post some into the shorts on my channel. Okay, so back to the UN. I would like to bring up a picture of Gilad Erdin. He is Israel's ambassador to the UN. On Friday, he criticized the UN Security Council after it approved a resolution calling for a truce in Gaza while again failing to condemn Hamas. Hamas's attack on October 7th against Israel. Now the council did approve this resolution, as I mentioned. And in his statement, he said, I thank President Joe Biden, Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield, and the U.S. Mission to the U.N. for standing on Israel's side throughout the negotiations on the U.N. Security Council resolution and maintaining defined red lines. The resolution maintains Israel's security authority to monitor and inspect aid entering Gaza. It must not be ignored that the Security Council as a body has not yet condemned the October 7th massacre. This is a disgrace. The UN's focus only on the aid mechanisms for Gaza is unnecessary and disconnected from reality. Israel, in any case, always allows entry of aid on any necessary scale. It's true. There's aid coming through Rafa border crossing. I talked the other day about how there's raid 
aid coming from Karim Shalom border crossing. I talked with you about how the mothers of the soldiers are even protesting against that aid. So the aid is coming already. It's just Hamas is stealing the aid. Okay. He continued to say, The UN should have focused on the humanitarian crisis of the hostages held in Gaza. The failures of the UN in the last 17 years have allowed Hamas to dig terror tunnels and manufacture missiles and rockets. It is clear that the UN cannot be trusted to monitor the incoming aid to the Gaza Strip. Now, U.S. Ambassador to the UN Linda Thomas-Greenfield criticized the fact that the resolution passed by the UN Security Council does not denounce Hamas over the October 7th atrocities. Quote, Ultimately, while we are encouraged that the Council spoke out on this humanitarian crisis, we're deeply disappointed, appalled actually, that once again, the Council was not able to condemn Hamas for the horrific terrorist attack it perpetrated on October 7th. I can't understand why. Why some council members are standing in the way and why they refuse to condemn these evils unequivocally. Why is it so hard to condemn Hamas for slaughtering young people at a concert, for butchering families alive, for the reports of widespread S-word violence? I will never understand why some council members have remained silent in the face of such evil. Foreign Minister Ellie Cohen said following the vote, Israel will continue the war in Gaza until the release of all of the hostages and the elimination of Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Israel will continue to act according to international law and will continue to screen all humanitarian aid to Gaza for security reasons. The Security Council's decision emphasizes the need to ensure that the UN becomes more efficient in transferring the humanitarian aid and to make sure that the aid reaches its destination and does not end up in the hands of Hamas terrorists. Yes. So the vote itself did not call for a ceasefire, but used language such as, quote, sustainable cessation of hostilities. All right, you guys. Now, I would like to just reiterate, I know I started the video with this, but Hamas said no to the ceasefire agreement that Israel proposed which was a week or two-week truce even in exchange for all of the hostages. Okay, now, speaking of the hostages, the Red Cross still has not visited the hostages. This UN resolution that's passed, part of it is about the hostages and how they need their medical treatment, they need to be checked on, their well-being needs to be checked on. Okay, so where the F is the Red Cross? Where have they been? And it is day 77 of war. The hostages who are still in Gaza, I believe it's like 120 hostages left. 130. Something like that. A lot. A lot of people. We don't know if they are dead or alive. The Red Cross needs to visit them. Okay, so. A Red Cross official did visit the families of the hostages in Israel recently. And reports from the family members were that this woman was cold and and measured. She had no emotions about the hostages. She said... You call us a taxi service, but no one else brought them back. We did. Wow. Wow. Just gross. Absolutely gross. And I'd like to point out, a few weeks ago, she spoke 
in a video while she was in Gaza, she was so upset about what was happening in Gaza and it took her a minute and a half into the video to even mention the hostages and all she said about the hostages was, quote, the right of hostages need to be respected. Yeah, well, the right of the hostages is for you to go see if they are alive and to see what conditions they're being held in. And you have not done that. It is day 77 and you still have not done that. It's absolutely absurd. All right, you guys, let's move on to some news. West Bank, Judea and Samaria. Overnight, there was a firefight in Tubas, uh, south of Janine. Terrorists were arrested in Kalkia, Dora, Halhol, all of those places are near Hebron. A policewoman was injured in a ramming attack in Barta'a, and border police officers hospitalized after driver rams into police forces in town on Samaria border. A border police officer was injured in a suspected terrorist ramming attack in this town, and it's on the border between Samaria and pre-1967 Israel in Harish. The officer suffered injuries to her lower body and was evacuated to Hillel Yaffe Hospital in light to moderate conditions. A preliminary investigation revealed that the driver rammed his vehicle into a group of police officers at the intersection. One suspect in the attack was arrested while another escaped. Authorities are currently in search of the second subject. I would like to pull up this image here. This was the image that has been released from that news report. I know it's not much, but as you can see, there is the Magin David Adom ambulance. I have linked Magin David Adom's website into the description of this video. If you would like to learn more about them or if you would like to donate to them, they are a great service. They have been doing lots of hard work since October 7th. And in general, they're just awesome. They're great, great people doing great work. Now, Gaza. We have talked a lot about Gaza. We still will, always will, it seems like, for the next month. Um, I would first like to bring up... Surprise! They blew up the Palestine Square that I was talking with you about yesterday. I still have some video footage. I uploaded that video footage into shorts because if you watched the live yesterday, you'd know I was having some issues playing those videos. They are on this channel, Hatikva News YouTube, in the shorts. Now, Israel has blown up the subterranean city in Gaza where the October 7th massacre was hatched. Aerial footage shows the massive explosion ripping through the underground complex. This place described as a center of power for Hamas's military and political wing. The IDF discovered the terrorist infrastructure. I showed you guys this yesterday with lengthy tunnel connections, hiding places, offices belonging to Hamas senior military and political leaders, and... It was the quote-unquote like elite quarter. And some 600 Hamas terrorists were killed in the operations before this. And um, yeah, so this was the center of Hamas's military rule. And the IDF blew it up today. I have one more picture. There you go. You can see the dust. All right. So, despite the failure to release a new agreement with Hamas on hostage release, Israel is believed to be pursuing fresh efforts to rescue some of the 129 Israelis held captive in Gaza. Okay, so I was right. It's almost 130 hostages. And I would...
like to just reiterate that this area was used by Hamas leader Yahya Sinwar. I showed a video of him in a car in the tunnel under Palestine Square. That's also in the shorts if you want to go see that again. It was a very, very short video. You really couldn't see much except, yes, he was in a car and, yes, he was in the tunnel. And it's a huge tunnel. Not anymore. They blew it up. Very, very interesting. Um, okay, so... The IDF continues to take more control in territories in Gaza, gaining operational control in another major area. But every neighborhood is a pitch battle, pitched battle with injured and fallen soldiers. Heavy IDF bombing is shaking and being felt in Israel up to Tel Aviv and Beit Shemesh. IDF says that they have operational control of Shajaya neighborhood east of Gaza City has finally been achieved. We are on day 77 of the war. Hamas's core capabilities in the area have been dismantled. There are still active battles, heavy fighting in North Gaza, Khan Yunus, and South Gaza with ground fighting, airstrikes, drone strikes, artillery, the enemy firing RPGs, anti-armor RPGs, booby-trapped buildings and tunnels, and this morning the IDF informs the residents of Al-Borej camp in the center of Gaza to move south. Hamas puts out another highly manipulative propaganda video, this time of hostages that were murdered, though no one is counting, using prisoners for propaganda is itself a war crime. Yes. Yes. So, here I would like to bring up this picture. You can see the IDF canine unit has um, a dog camera on it, and this is how the Hamas terror network tunnel situation was like examined the IDF K9 unit um and i think i have a video i do here you go I apologize, that video didn't have sound and for some reason I wasn't able to talk while the video was going. I'm still learning how to use the software perfectly, but let me give you just like a little overview. So IDF troops were conducting operational activity in the Isa area of Gaza with the K-9 unit and... The footage revealed the tunnel the tunnel network hundreds of meters long including command and communication rooms hideouts with dozens of meters of space concrete bunkers and water and electricity installations which i mentioned yesterday so far in the war the units soldiers and dogs have scanned dozens of tunnels locating findings that allow the forces to enter the tunnels and now i actually have several videos for you in relation to what i just spoke about so let me bring all those up and we'll just watch some videos for a few minutes so the first one here 
צינור שיורד למטה, מכלים, כן, נוטות תדף, פרקי ירי. אפשר לראות פה את המנעול, את המנגנון, בצד השני, מנעל, טק, טק, טק. ופה בפיר מבצעי, אפשר לראות לדעתי תשתיות של חשמל סולארי שיורדות למטה. יש לנו צינור מים שיורד למטה, שהוא עובד, ויש חשמל פה בתשתיות. פיר בערך תשע מטר עומק. מבנה דרום ערבי. That last one was pretty cool. That was a graphic that the IDF made to show you the tunnel compound situation. And I have one more. I think it's more about the soldiers. Here you go. also have a short clip of a female medic who was in Gaza. The video itself is very long so I just took a short clip of it and I linked the entire video into the description of this YouTube for you so you can go see the, that whole video if you find this interesting. Here is... עד השבעה באוקטובר אילנה עבדה כפרמדיקית במוקד של מד"א. כשהתחילו האזעקות ביום הנורא ההוא, היא הוקפצה למוקד. בשש וחצי בבוקר נסעתי תוך כדי האזעקות למוקד בקריית אונו, והתחלתי לבצע את המשימות שהיה צריך לבצע, בין אם זה לעזור למוקד שאני עובדת בו, או לענות לאזרחים בשיחות של מאה ואחד, שזו הייתה סיטואציה שהיא לא הייתה פשוטה. סיטואציה שלא חוויתי, שיחות שלא חשבתי שאני אחווה אי פעם. ואז באותו רגע פשוט קיבלתי הודעה של כל המילואים של הולך להיות צו שמונה, תבואו. אירוע אחד שלא יצא לאילנה מהראש הוא האירוע שבו טיפלה בארבעה פצועים מירי נ"ט. היה צורך בקריאה לפינוי מוסק, שעל המסוק חיכתה להפתעה. שמענו שהיה כוח שהותקל. נסענו כולנו ישר מאוד מהר, הגענו לאירוע תוך פחות משתי דקות, וחברו אלינו חיילים שנפצעו באירוע. אוקיי, אז אם אתם רוצים לראות את הרבה של הוידאו, אני אעשה לינק בביו עבורכם. אז ה-IDF מוצאת חמאס ילדים יוניפורם בבית הנון, זה בגאזה. אני רוצה להגיד, הם מוצאים חמאס ילדים יוניפורם. The 5th Brigade Forces located tunnel shafts and homes of Hamas operatives and one inside of a school. As always, they're finding Hamas terrorist stuff inside of schools. It's just crazy. So the combat team conducted these operations in the Kasbah complex in Beit Hanun last week in Gaza. The soldiers of the combat team, together with aerial fire support, observation posts, and combat engineering forces, cleared the area of the Kasbah, eliminated terrorists, struck do dozens of terrorist targets and infrastructure, among other things. The forces collected many weapons, including Kalashnikov-type weapons, grenades, 
cartridges, ammunition boxes, mortar bombs, vests, including IDF vests. In addition, the forces located uniforms of the Hamas terrorist organization, including children's uniforms, Hamas documents, telephones, and IDF kit bag. So on October 7th, the Hamas terrorists also went and terrorized army bases. So they also collected a ton of stuff from army bases, which is why the IDF is now finding IDF vests and IDF kit bags at these Hamas locations in Gaza because they stole stuff not just from civilians, but from Israeli army bases on October 7th. The forces located several tunnel shafts in the homes of Hamas operatives, the largest of which was in a school. From these tunnel terrorists attacked the forces the day before the brigade's operation. From these tunnels, terrorists attacked the IDF the day before the brigade's operation. The soldiers of the 5th Brigade's combat team completed the mission of protecting the communities and the kibbutzims in southern Israel, in which the brigade participated in the effort to neutralize the area of terrorists since the beginning of the war. They conducted a number of cross-fence operations to uncover tunnel shafts and terrorist infrastructure and destroy them as well as working to locate areas, securing works on the security fence, and the repair of means of observation, the security of farmers in the area, and overall support. I do have a short video of soldiers' activity... Now, I would like to point out a reason still why our soldiers are working so hard. Here is Gadi and Judith. They were taken captive on October 7th. And it was cleared for publication that Gadi Hagi, a 73-year-old man, who went missing on October 7th, was murdered by the Hamas terrorist organization who continues to hold his body captive in Gaza. Him and Judith were both shot on October 7th and taken hostage to Gaza. There are still 129 hostages in Gaza. Okay, you guys. So there has been video footage recovered from the corpse of a dead terrorist showing Ham Hamas operatives planting bombs in Gaza to use against Israeli troops. I have that video for you too.
So I just want to point out that this is Hamas in civilian clothing recording themselves doing terrorist activity. It's just insane, you guys. It's ins it's just insane. And um we keep seeing this kind of footage. There was an IDF spokesperson who did a 47 minute long montage entitled Bearing Witness to the October 7th Massacre. All of that footage was filmed by Hamas. The fact that people around the world are maybe saying this didn't happen, maybe saying that Hamas are resistance or whatever. They are filming themselves doing all of this terrorist activity. It's plain as day. It's right in our faces. All right, let's move on to Lebanon. So the Lebanon-Hezbollah conflict continues and gradually increases in intensity. Diplomatic efforts are pushing for a Hezbollah withdrawal northwards. I have talked about this, how they are asking... Hezbollah to push back several kilometers and most analysis consider this impossible but the politicians continue to mention it the size of the Hezbollah rocket barrages are increasing and the damage from anti-tank missiles which can't be stopped by the Iron Dome is also increasing there have been around three rounds short range near border towns, large barrages, about 20 plus. Two anti-tank missiles hit a house in Ramat Naftali in Upper Galilee. Luckily, there were no injuries. In Manara, a kibbutzim on the border of Lebanon, 86 apartments out of 155 apartments in kibbutz Manara were completely destroyed as a result of fire from Hezbollah. Luckily, the kibbutz was evacuated weeks ago. I have mentioned to you guys multiple times that the border towns of Gaza and Lebanon, all of these people have been evacuated from their homes. They're staying in hotels. They're staying with friends. They're staying with families who don't live in that area. So the IDF continues airstrikes and artillery against Hezbollah, and Hezbollah continues rockets and anti-tank missiles. A 17-hour break in cross-border fire with Hezbollah ended on Friday morning with a sustained salvo of rockets from southern Lebanon, where the Iranian-backed terrorist group is operating. Later on Friday... The IDF said that it scrambled a fighter jet to shoot down a drone launched from Lebanon heading to Israeli airspace. Authorities in Lebanon, who are believed to have little or no control over Hezbollah activities, have urged Israel to commit to a UN resolution dating back to the 2006 Lebanon war that should have prevented the fighting. You guys... I don't want to go too deep into history right now. I can do another history lesson on all of this. But these wars that continue to happen over the land of Israel continue to draw different borders, different maps, different lines. And it doesn't matter what lines there are. The ultimate result is Islamic Jihad, whatever terrorist group you want to talk about, because there's like five of them now, 
they don't care about the lines drawn. They want Israel completely wiped off the map. As we see proof in the pudding with Gaza, we withdrew from Gaza in 2005 for peace. There's no peace. Okay, you guys? So all of this is BS to me. The Lebanese Prime Minister said we are totally ready to commit to their implementation on, implementation on condition the Israeli side does the same and withdraws according to the international laws and resolutions from occupied territory. Yeah, well, I don't believe him and he doesn't control Hezbollah. Iran controls Hezbollah. So what? whatever... The Lebanese prime minister wants to agree to, it really, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter because he has no say over Hezbollah. I'd also like to point out, in this area that we're talking about, the blue line between Israel and Lebanon, there's supposed to be like 10,000 UN peacekeepers there. I don't know what they're doing. The UN is a sham. Okay, you guys, I'm going to bring up an image of Amit. Amit is an IDF soldier, 19 years old, from Rosh Hain. He fell during operational activity following the Hezbollah rock, rocket launches carried out from Lebanese territory towards the Shulta area. Sergeant... Amit Hod Zev. May his memory be a blessing and Hashem avenge his blood. So young. So young. All right, so let's go ahead and move on to Syria and Yemen. So the Iraqi Shiite militia fires suicide drones at Elat, and Jordan shot it down. So around midnight, the Shiite militia in Iraq announced they had attacked the city of Elat. But a little later, Arab media reported that the Jordanian army had intercepted the drone heading towards Israel. So Jordan is still trying they're still trying we do have peace agreements with jordan and egypt so let's hope that stays in put in place all right now you guys the houthis they are wild these houthis in yemen are wild they are ramping up their rhetoric and threats and the u.s has been spotted moving their recognizance drones and flights over yemen i did mention that yesterday that's still ongoing the, Houthi the Houthis' threat now includes, quote, invade Israel. They are 2,000 kilometers away. However, I have a video for you. They are rushing enemy naval forces by speedboat, claiming that the Houthi Navy is ready. This video in itself seems kind of propaganda-y, seems like, you know, propaganda, but it's crazy and it shows that they are more than willing to throw themselves at their perceived enemies regardless of capabilities. I'm going to show you the propaganda video now. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, but, to the left, to the left, 
Yeah, so, I mean, the, the whole reason to do propaganda videos is to make people scared, right? They want to show force. Now, I'm not sure how forceful they are. I guess we'll see. We will see what the Red Sea Coalition, it's the 10 countries that the U.S. put together. I've talked about that a few times. I'm sure you are already up to date on that. We'll see how that goes. We'll see what sort of tensions escalate from here. But as I have talked with you about today, Hezbollah in Lebanon, Syria, Yemen, Gaza, it's all just a complete smorgasbord of chaos. Now I want to talk a little bit about Shabbat. And tomorrow I will do my special Shabbat where I like do the Torah portion and everything like that. Some Friday nights I do a special Shabbat where I play fun music and uh, talk more about the blessings and the prayers and everything this Shabbat's going to be a little different because we spent most of the evening talking about the news I want to mention how Israel is dealing with Shabbat during these times of war so there are a few rules that people follow on Shabbat outside of wartime Regular Shabbat customs include not using electricity, um, not driving, not spending money. Really, Shabbat is meant to just rest, read the Torah, spend time with your family, cook a lot of food, eat a lot of food, and, and just read books and not work and not to exert any sort of energy. You're supposed to harness your energy and rest and prepare for the week. Now, during times of war, people who are very observant over Shabbat are following a few rules. And this is more of just like a cultural discussion on... We've, uh, we've left the news. Now I just want to talk more about Israel's culture during war on Shabbat. So, I've mentioned to you guys about what a mamad is. It is the safe room in your house. And that is to keep you safe from falling rockets, bombs, barrages, shrapnel, things like that. And one of the rules for Shabbat is to keep the mamad light on. Because again, you're not supposed to do any exerting energy. So even flipping a light switch, you're not supposed to do. So they're asking people... To keep your mamad light on. So in case you have to go into your safe room. Into your bomb shelter. The light is already on. They are asking that you take a phone with you. Now a lot of people don't use phones on Shabbat. However. In a time of war. In a time of. Uh, extreme stress and problems it is okay to have your phone on and with you if you need to call for help call for help you're allowed to call for help leave your phone on alert method so you can leave some channels on silent and you can leave some alerts on you know you just go into your settings and that way you're at least getting like that Homefront Command app I've talked to you guys about. You're at least going to get notifications about anything really serious happening in your area. Things like that. So, you know, you make sure you're safe. Now, also what a lot of people do on Shabbat, of course, is go to synagogue or temple. And there are a few things around this. So... The first question is, wherever you're located, what is the risk assessment level? So if you're in a high-risk zone, 
You need to only go to a synagogue that has a shelter, a mamad. Otherwise, you need to pray at home. If you're in a medium risk zone, also make sure you go to a synagogue that has a shelter, but you need to know where it is and when there is a siren, have a plan in mind. And then for the lower risk communities, is there a possibility of sirens and what is your plan? Have one or choose to go to another synagogue if they don't have a mamad. Just some things that they're discussing with people, how to prepare yourself during the times of Shabbat, how to stay safe, and where is your closest mamad? How fast are you going to get there? What's your plan? And this is the daily reality for Israelis living in Israel right now. I just spent 40 minutes telling you about all the threats that Israel is up against and all of her citizens are up against. And so this is a daily thing that people have to consider, but especially on Shabbat. Plan your shelter path to and from synagogue. So most people live within a few block radius from a synagogue or temple. One of the rules about being observant on Shabbat is that you don't drive. Again, you don't exert energy. So instead, you take a nice, lovely stroll to synagogue with your family. And now, the question is, if a siren goes off during that walk to temple, where is the closest shelter? Where are you going to go? It's a very strange thing to wrap our western minds around because the iron dome is very well known but i don't think people fully understand again the iron dome doesn't just have a rocket hit a rocket and then everything just dissipates into the sky like glitter like no there's rocket shrapnel and pieces of rockets and bombs falling all over the place Another question, are you slow? If you're in a high-risk area, you need to stay at home. Medium to low-risk areas, you need to have a plan. There are many elderly people in Israel. There's many people who are handicapped in Israel. There's many people who might be fully capable of taking care of themselves, but they have children. You know how hard it is to collect all the children and make sure they're safe. That's a part of being slow too. And then another thing about the children is to discuss with your children what to do in case there's a siren. And it's best to leave young children at home if you're in a high-risk zone. Obviously, leave them with an adult. Leave them next to the mamad. Of course, you know the idea is to keep children safe. Um, and how? what is the best way to do that? How to keep children as safe as possible? Another interesting thing that I would like to point out about Shabbat is that carrying your weapon, if you are licensed to carry, is actually a mitzvah. So if you have a gun license, you can carry your weapon on Shabbat. And you should try to have at least one armed person in every synagogue. Also, are you not licensed to carry a gun? That's okay. Why not carry some pepper spray, carry a knife, carry whatever it is that you need to carry to stay safe. And I would like to point out, I know that this channel is about Israel, but anybody living in any other part of the world, things are getting really scary. So this advice is great advice for everyone. So if sirens shelter, even, even if you are in Amidah. So part of Shabbat is that while you are in prayer, nothing is supposed to interrupt your prayer. So if sirens are heard in the middle of Amidah, the prayer, one must go to the shelter. After, you can restart the Amidah from the beginning. Other rules to start from where you stopped. It depends on how you observe and how you feel about it. But 
I myself, if something interrupts me during one of my prayers, if I get distracted by anything, I start over. I start over. So if for some reason you cannot get to a shelter, you lay down all the way with your hands on your head, this reduces risks by 80%. The reason that they are saying this is because if there is rocket shrapnel or some something falling from the sky the most important part of your body is your head and I'm sure you even remember from a kid when they would have you practice going underneath the desk at school you would always kneel down and cover your head so yes you always want to protect your brain your head god forbid something does fall on you hopefully it falls on the lower part of your body and you will still ideally live so there also needs to be a phone available in every synagogue and the red alert app needs to be on you need to be able to hear the sirens and you can carry this phone in your pocket set it to silent but set the red alert apps to override silent mode you can do this in settings all instructions from the home front command app and your city must be strictly obeyed if instructed to shut yourself in do not leave the house even for prayer it's a mitzvah to take actions but to protect and save and preserve life on shabbat it's a mitzvah to take actions to protect and save and preserve life on Shabbat, not a violation, but only actions which do so. May we all have peace and safety on Shabbat. May our soldiers be effective and return home safe. And may our hostages be returned safe, healthy, and whole. And may Hashem avenge the blood of our fallen soldiers and fallen hostages. So thank you all so much for watching. I wish you a peaceful and wonderful Shabbat Shalom. I am going to light my Shabbat candles now that I have finished working. And I'm going to rest and relax for the rest of the evening, eat some yummy food, read over the Torah portion, and I'll be back on here tomorrow to discuss this week's Torah portion with you. So much love to you all. Thank you as always for watching. Please like, subscribe, and share this with your friends and family.